Hello and welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. My name is Dr Caroline Walker and I am the Joyful Doctor. Uh, I have a real passion for helping doctors to live happier lives full of reward and meaning and that's why I really wanted to bring you this podcast. Each episode is going to be an interview with an amazing doctor that I respect, love, admire and think has some wonderful things to share with you to help you to become an even more joyful doctor than you already are. I've um, really struggled over the years and um, as a doctor and also, you know, I've fallen in and out of love with medicine many, many times and, and through it all, I just keep coming back to this idea that we should be doing more of what we love. So I hope that through listening to these podcasts, you might be able to connect with what it is that you really love to do and to do more of it. Welcome. Welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast. I'm really excited to have with me today one of my oldest friends from medical school, Dr. Andrew Dennison. Um, Andrew, welcome. Hello. It's Hi. wonderful to have you here. We're here on the Dorset coast. I'd love to say we're looking out at a beautiful blue sky, but it's absolutely tipping it down with rain and very blustery, but it's still just so lovely to be down in this part of the world with you. Very lucky to live here. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, Andrew, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us, yeah, who you are, what you do. So um, I'm Andrew Dennison. I am a, a GP uh, and father of two. Um, I've been a doctor for 14 years, GP for the last eight or nine of them. Um, and I work for the NHS, uh, the front line, yeah. the, the tip of the spear of the NHS. <laughs> uh, and uh, I've been doing that uh, for, yeah, about seven or eight years now. And um, yeah, that's what I do. Great. Um, I always start by asking my guests on this podcast what it means to you to be a joyful doctor. So this morning, uh, after we'd all had breakfast, I watched my son and daughter chase each other for about five minutes around <laughs> a kitchen island. <laughs> Um, they basically just had a bathrobe string and they were pulling each other along and they just kept laughing and laughing and laughing and it just kept on and on. They kept going round as, as most kids do. They seem to have endless energy. Yeah. And I just remember sort of sitting there watching them thinking, this is, this is fun. Kids just having fun, not needing any kind of special intervention just finding something that they find for whatever reason hilarious yeah and they're I, really in the moment aren't they kids yeah. they're just sort of and and I just loving sort of think life and... it, it's so nice because of course being a parent isn't always fun and games sometimes it is sort of mm. tears and, and poor sleep and tantrums and things mm. like that so it was just really nice having one of those moments where you think ah, right now it's going good <laughs> yeah yeah I can relate to that as a mum as well I I um I'm really struck actually the more I do of these podcast episodes um and the more people I speak to when I ask them what it means to be a joyful doctor uh, most often it's not actually about work. their work yeah. actually it's about life or what brings them most joy and I think that's so important it's certainly mm. true for me as well I mean I think part of the reason 
I would say that I go into work is so that I can then later come home to my lovely wife and most of the time lovely children yeah. <laughs> and, and just enjoy the downtime. Yeah. Um, it, it, one other example I think would be every so often I think you have to, as a doctor, walk down a high street and just see loads of healthy people who aren't mm. asking you for aren't asking you for advice or aren't needing your help as far as you know at least yeah. uh, and just to see actually the world isn't just people with problems all the time yeah sometimes you are keeping people in a good place uh, and and actually you know yeah. we're, we're just seeing the, the the people at their extremes of, of need yeah yeah something about perspective isn't it mm. that it's not just seeing people as he says an illness or a diagnosis yeah. or a, a problem to be solved yeah. I mean it would be lovely if I could spend more time seeing my well patients and keeping yeah. them well obviously what's nice is when we see someone who we've fixed either yeah. lifted out of depression or excluded something they were worrying about yeah. that's a really nice sort of area of my life to reassure people to fix a problem to see them get better and then you know to be thanked for it yeah. is very nice that's one of the bits I love most about my job working with doctors mm. is that they they get very unwell and it often takes them a long time to come for help but when they do they get better really quickly and they get better in just such lovely ways you know and it's so wonderful when someone comes back to, re- to restore just, them yeah and just sort of they're living their life again you know and and they get to this point where they don't need you anymore and it's quite it's lovely um, I, I mean I can remember learning in medical school and they say what is health to you mm. and it was is it just being free of disease or is it actually being happy mm. and yeah I think if you have health and happiness you've got two really and and love let's say as well mm. i think if you've got all three particularly at the same time you're you're in a real good place mm. um so speaking of good places um we always um ask our uh, my interviewees what if you could tell us about a time when you've perhaps not been in such a good place when you haven't been such a joyful doctor um so as i say talking about my kids now um, in their first year of life, uh, they both had colic. Mm. Now, I, I obviously know a lot about this subject because I needed to learn about it. Mm. Um, colic is a very broad definition from an irritable baby once to mm. true severe colic. Well, sorry, not, that's not true, but, but mm. a more severe form, which I think one definition I read was three hours a night, three nights a week for three or more weeks running of inconsolable crying in a child. And I'd heard of it and knew a bit about it. And I've since seen it a few times, but it did not prepare me for for having it in both my kids. I mean, even the second one, we thought lightning can't strike twice. <laughs> and yet it did. Yes, it can. And yeah. whilst... Others seem to be, I mean, obviously, all parents will have their own stresses from lots mm. of different things. And obviously, I am very lucky to have uh, healthy, happy mm. children uh, otherwise. Um, yeah, I think those periods of 
seeing my child so upset and and literally inconsolable Mm. for hours on end really took its toll because I think if it's your own child screaming Mm. or crying and you can't do anything for that Mm. very hard on the individual particularly as a scientist where you think surely there must be something I can Mm. do well that's a common problem with amongst us doctors I think though isn't it that we we kind of go into it thinking we can learn how to solve all these problems and fix things and make people feel better and and medicine teaches you that you can you know work out what's wrong with someone and then do the right thing to help them but actually the reality is often you you don't know what's wrong or you you know what's wrong but you can't do anything to help and and I've often said to parents that their their child or you know a child uh, the mind is the most complex thing in the known universe and a child's mind is constantly changing <laughs> yeah. so you, we are trying to figure out something that that mm. is still unknown so what impact did that have on you so i f- struggled to remember most of 2014 and 2016 mm. i mean i i did have friends to stay but i couldn't tell you what we did with them mm. um it was I think it sort of made the first year of being a parent not as enjoyable as I thought it would be. Mm. Um, and I think that sort of made it harder because, of course, you, you, you think it's going to be nappies and sleepless nights and, mm. and, and, and that everything else will work. Obviously, the colic did resolve. It took, mm. but I think it took the full 12 weeks, I think it is. Mm. Again, it's been a while since I had to deal with it. Um, and I think it just my introduction to it was I knew it would have been hard, but mm. I didn't realise it would be that hard. So it's a bit like that. I'm just thinking it's a bit like that first year as a junior doctor. It's yeah. like you expect it to be wonderful in so many ways. And you've worked so hard for it and anticipated it for so long. And then actually the reality is just pretty brutal, actually, and unrelenting and, and hard. And did it have any impact at work for you at that time? I'd like to think not, um, because... And again, I think this is a credit to the, the human body. I think we can sometimes still function with lack of sleep or, or emotional trauma mm. and actually still seem to, to be doing all okay. Yeah, I mean, certainly I see a lot of doctors that are capable of doing this and we most of us do it at some point in our career, don't we? Most of us work through a shift when we're, we're tired or exhausted or upset or something terrible's mm. happened in our personal life and we kind of just put on that work coat and get you know that work face and 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 push through and um I think obviously that can become dangerous when it goes on for too long but yeah I'd agree I think most people can tolerate a certain amount of it, it it did get to the point where I would want to go into work to just escape the the yeah to escape how hard it was yeah and I would come home after a busy day and I'd be like oh my goodness the battlefield uh, as it were yeah and yeah. and I think it, it's important to say to all parents that for most things it does get yeah. better as the you know as you work out as as a children's temperaments usually tend to get better with time although it can take some time i've definitely seen that but it it often does get better as you figure out what's works for for everybody yeah but at the beginning when you're stuck in that space it's it's hard to see the the light at the end of the tunnel so when you've had these tough times in your life what what has helped you what's 
Um, yeah. I think just sort of chatting to others uh, about it, um, as a dad, um, still working um, during the first year, it, it, well, it did get a little bit lonely at times. And I think making sure you try and keep up friendships is really important, both mm. when you're struggling through something, but also when you're doing well. Mm. Um, I think juggling being a doctor and a parent you can end up getting to the point where you're working all day and then coming home and looking after your children and then you get an hour or two finally to yourself mm. and then it all restarts for the rest of the next day mm. and I think sometimes it's important to set aside time to actually have an uh, a conversation with an adult and yes, invariably you will start talking about how your children are doing or other things, but actually just to chat with someone of a similar, uh, not about work but or, or, or children if, if you don't wish to, as it were, but to chat to a, a peer support of someone of some, some type. Sort, yeah, I, without fail I hear that peer support is um, uh, something that helps doctors to stay well. Mm. Um, and get well again when they are struggling. And And I find it strange how when we are feeling down we don't feel like doing anything yeah you, you want to just turn you know you want to just sleep or you want yeah. to just not go to a party and I once heard from a I think it was a psychologist said that we should adopt a five minute rule which is if something is offered to you like going to an engage going to some kind of social engagement try it out for five minutes and you'll be surprised. Most people can then actually find, no, this was not as bad as I thought. Oh, that's a really great tip, actually. Uh, I, it's something it's I've similar told for me when parents, I used to do like patients. essays or something like that. And I couldn't be bothered to do the whole essay. But if I just started it, what I'd say to myself is I'll just write the title and the first two sentences. See what happens. But once I'd done that, it kind of hooked me in and I was off. And mm. yeah. yeah. So I think it's strange how we feel that we shouldn't do anything yeah and yet we need to sometimes to bring us out of these spells i think it's one of the cruelest things actually about mental health problems is often the thing you need to do to get better is the last thing you want to do Mm. so for people who are very anxious often they need to do the thing that makes them anxious for people who are depressed and don't want to get up or do anything they've got they kind of got to get up and do something i mean exercise referrals when i sort of say to people I'm going to give you reduced cost membership of this gym. Yeah. And they've actually 10 minutes ago said that they're feeling absolutely tired and don't yeah. want to do you anything. Actually, how realistic is it? Yeah, I have, gonna... to, I have to sort of say to them, you won't feel like doing this, but if you build up to it, yeah. it will aid or yeah. accelerate your recovery. And maybe that five-minute rule is a good thing to do for the gym. Yeah. You know, not to say I'm going to go for an hour. No, but I'm just to go in and I'm literally going to go and I'm going to do my warm-up stretch and that's it. Yeah. But once you're there, you know, who knows? Maybe you, maybe one day you do the warm-up stretch and then you do a couple of minutes on the exercise bike. And, and I once heard someone else saying, don't wait for willpower. Because oh, no, years will not. pass. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you actually have to say, no, yeah. I'm not going to get more willpower next year. Yeah. You just have to do it whilst... You know, when you don't want to content. do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I think that's for me that I've because I've had I think about thirteen episodes of depression now, and in each and every one of those I've felt that feeling of, you know, I can't be bothered or this is much harder than normal, and it's where that linking with somebody else can be really powerful, definitely to help you to kind of motivate you or well, if you only have your one voice, 
we tend to be our worst critics. Mm. Um, another useful tip I've heard is if you have a negative thought, ask yourself, would my best friend say that to me? And of course they wouldn't. Or would you say it to your best friend? friend like, I indeed. certainly wouldn't. Like, yeah, <laughs> some you... of the stuff I say to myself in my head. And yeah. so, yeah, it's sometimes actually having another person to give you perspective and also to perhaps necessarily sometimes change the subject and give you other positive things to focus on. Yeah. Really important. Yeah. Um, because, yes, if I, again, I, I think we evolved to be sociable um and and to discuss things and, and not to hang be out not to groups. live in isolation yeah, yeah. and it's so yeah if you could give sort of i mean let's say this was your last chance to to talk to doctors out there about this stuff about their well-being and, and if you could give them any advice or any tips or what would your what would you want to say so um one of the things i've heard about um is something called the practitioner health program which is a confidential um, service for GPs, although I think it's going to be extending to all yep, doctors. all doctors in the UK can and, in England, sorry, can see them. And it's a very useful sort of service out there that will see doctors and run by doctors as well. Mm. And I think it's great. It's a great way in which people know that doctors tend to run at quite high resilience patterns. I mean, they've had years of doing these things uh, and, and learning how to be things. So sometimes it's the traditional um, ways of treating depression, say telling someone not to drink alcohol or, or to do uh, more exercise. Some of that is already known to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And... I think the PHP programme, from what I've heard, is a bit more tailored towards how doctors are feeling and things like that. I mean, again, every, anyone can get anxiety or depression and things like that, but the PHP programme is... is you know. Yeah, I think there's something powerful. I mean, I do some work for them, and they're absolutely fantastic programme. I completely agree, and really pleased that you've brought them up. Um, yeah, as you say, they're a free and confidential NHS service for doctors across England. Um and I think doctors find it very helpful to come to a service that is specifically set up just for doctors because, you know, there's so much stigma attached to coming for help when mm. you're a doctor and so much fear around the consequences for your career. Yes. And this is a service that's specifically set up to help to ease those worries and anxieties for doctors and to help them to get the support they need. I once um, told a patient, a, a, a doctor, uh, and I said, look, this is, so to speak, off the books. As in, if you see these people, they might let me know if there's something urgent that uh, about you that I need to know. But in, in a lot of cases, it's kept kind of fairly separate from their NHS records. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, it's a completely confidential service. I mean, mm. that's only ever broken in the most extreme, extreme circumstances. circumstances. Um, so, yeah, the, and that's done deliberately so so that doctors can feel confident in coming forward and getting the help and support they need with a range of mental health and addiction problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And, and I almost think that any doctor, or basically I, I think that every time we have an appraisal, we should be made aware of this service because I can so for it to be signposted yeah, as, a, as a I, something we can access yeah absolutely or to tell others that yeah. we think might be struggling to say actually have you heard of this service before yeah. because whilst I can just about recall being 
approached as I guess most GPs were back then to say we're thinking of setting this up would you be interested in being uh, mm. uh, helping it and then I must have you know just moved on to other things mm-hmm. and, and not given it any more thought it had completely escaped my mind for a long mm. time mm. until yeah. I just heard of a, a good friend having uh, of using the services and yeah. benefiting accordingly well we'll put um the the link to the website in the show notes from the podcast episode today so if anybody wants to check those out if anybody out there is struggling at all you know you don't have to be at your wits end you can might just have noticed some early signs of struggling of anxiety of low mood of just finding things too too hard at the moment whatever and of course can come forward doctors can very much self-refer and yep. they don't need to see their own gps first so doctors in that applies at the moment that applies for doctors in london right. can self-refer outside of london um gps can self-refer and gp trainees right can self-refer non-gp doctors outside of london at the moment Currently. would need to get a brief gp letter right but hopefully in a few months that is going to be yeah announced that the expansion is ready to go and that it will be self-referral for all doctors but the bottom line is any doctor in england please get in touch they will advise you and and let you know what if you do. do need to see a gp or not first yeah yeah um andrew it's just been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much um, for sharing your, your wisdom with us. Um, and hopefully you'll come back and, and speak with us again Indeed. in the future. Yep. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Keep up the joy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast. Uh, really um, excited that you've found the podcast and if you've enjoyed it I would love it if you would maybe share it with another doctor that you know that might enjoy it too and get something out of it um, as I say I'm all about trying to help doctors to live happier lives um, if you'd like to um, keep abreast of what's happening at Joyful Doctor then do pop over to joyfuldoctor.com and you can follow me on any of the major social media um, sites from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to LinkedIn. Um, I really hope to connect with some of you soon and please tune in again um, for another episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast.